Brocktober, baby. What's up, college football fans? I am AJ here with my brother Tyler. This is another episode of the Saturday Six Podcast. We are back. What's going on, brother? We had to take a little break. Uh, You're doing a little bit of traveling. And And you got some news. What's up? I welcomed my first little baby girl into the world this week, so... Uh, that's the reason we didn't have a picks pod, but we are going to review some of the uh, better games that happened this week. Probably what would have been our picks uh, if we had made a picks pod. So we're back with regularly scheduled podcasts and we should be good for the rest of the season. Yeah, we had to pull you away from changing diapers for, for just about 30 minutes, but uh, glad to have Please you back, do. man, and uh, <laughs> honestly, just so so happy for you guys. Can't uh, can't wait to hold my, my new baby niece. Uh, really excited about you guys. Obviously, we stick to college football here, but a big life event like that had to uh, celebrate you a little bit and give you a little well-deserved time off. All right, so like we said, didn't get any picks officially on the board last week, but we still wanted to talk about some of those games that went down because, boy, there were some good ones. We had two top 10 teams go down, man. Uh, Just absolutely crazy action. What were your biggest takeaways from last week in college football? Yeah, I think uh, some of these teams that we thought were very legitimate contenders going into the season – we're, we're starting to see a little bit more of what they're made for. And a couple of surprising teams that uh, I don't think we were expecting to be as good as they are are looking very good right now. Yeah, I wanted to start with the Red River rivalry. I mean, as far as games go, this is one of the ones that, unless you're a Texas fan, if you're a college football fan, especially an Oklahoma Sooner fan, this is one that you're going to go back and watch years from now because it was just an absolute insane back-and-forth game from the very kickoff, the very first possession for Texas to the very end when Oklahoma gets a game-winning touchdown at the end of regulation. They win 34-30 to to knock off the number three Texas Longhorns, their bitter rival. Last year, this game is being played in the Big 12. Obviously, they'll both be SEC teams next year. What a game. Holy cow. I mean, Dylan Gabriel. I mean, this guy's had an incredible story uh, with everything that he's done in his college career so far. And this is just uh, one of those icing on the cake type of games for him. Uh, it's, this is one of the biggest games every year. And for it to be number 12 versus number three was awesome. And then everybody's like, Texas is back. Do we say it? Do we not say it? Um, I think some people were saying it, and that's what jinxed them there. Just not a lot of good offense from them. I think that their defense was sloppy. And, and, you know, we've touted these these corners in the secondary for Texas. I mean, you were talking very highly of them going into that Alabama game, and they played very well in those type of games. And then – Dude, can we talk about the first quarter? Like the first like seven minutes of the game, just turnovers yeah. left and right. I mean, right. this was this was probably one of the best games of football that I've watched in such a long time. I mean, there was 
just incredible plays and action happening left and right. It was crazy. Yeah, it was a really good game. I, I was watching it, and, you know, like, Ewers obviously starts with the interception. I, both of his interceptions, I think, were tipped. So you can't exactly blame that entirely on him. But to start the game, your first possession to throw a pick, Oklahoma goes right down the field and scores to go up 7 to nothing. And then I think right after that is when maybe Texas blocked a punt or something. Like, it was just insane action in the first seven minutes. And this game's just going back and forth and living up to the hype that everyone expected it to. Like you said, man, I think Gabriel was the better quarterback in this matchup. I mean, I think he's got less weapons than yours does. And what he was able to do, not only through the air, but with his legs, I was really impressed with this guy. This is a guy that came out of Hawaii, um, was a really good high school quarterback, started his career at UCF, and then transfers to Oklahoma before last season. And it was an up-and-down year. He got hurt last year. Oklahoma wasn't very good, right? Like 6-6, six and six, um, undefeated so far on the year. But this one's kind of interesting, too, because, like, Big 12 doesn't have divisions, right? And so the top two teams in the conference are going to be the ones that play in that conference championship game in December. So, like, we could actually see this be a rematch again. I wanted to ask you, because there could be a rematch again, do you think that makes the Pac-12 potentially a two-bid team or potentially a zero-bid team? Because I think both scenarios are still on the board here. If Texas were to win the, the Big 12 championship game, and both of these teams' losses are against each other, what happens there? I think I'm more likely to say it's a – if you only gave me the option of a two- or a zero-bid team uh, conference, I would be more inclined to go with two. Just, really? Just because, I mean, I don't I don't see a world in which you can keep 11-1 and one Oklahoma or an 11 and one or 12 and one Oklahoma right and a 12 and one Texas team out of this I mean especially with the way that they're playing I mean they're they're playing premier college football and I think they still pass the eye test as far as that goes um and we, we we've seen the SEC do it time and time again getting Georgia and Alabama in there so I think it's very possible if Oklahoma goes undefeated and they lose their conference championship game to Texas, if Texas is still a one-loss team and they're very good, I'm not really counting that against Oklahoma too much there. Um, let me give you let me give you a hypothetical. Let's say Michigan runs the table, wins the Big Ten. Georgia win, runs the table, wins the SEC. FSU runs the table, wins the ACC. And then in the Pac-12 out west, you have – Washington, USC, Oregon, one of those three teams that is sitting as a one-loss conference champion, like, that's where it gets tough, right? Yes, because the NCAA or the College Football Playoff Committee has said that they will put stock in conference champions, but how much stock are you going to put in a conference champion that's not even going to be a conference next year? Yeah, I mean, that, like, 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 come on. I mean, uh, it's tough. I, I think when you're looking at the two um, head-to-head, I think you have to dig a little bit deeper into who has the better season. And just right. at the end of the day, this college football playoff is about who are the best four teams. For sure. Yeah, I agree. I just I think that's where it gets a little bit sticky. I think I for that reason I would lean towards this being a zero bid conference at the end of the season if that were to happen. Texas yeah. best win in that scenario would be 
Yeah. Other than Oklahoma would be against Alabama, right? And the, and the thing is, is you got to think that Ohio State and Michigan also have the chance to be in the same scenario where whoever loses that, that game when they play, they could, well, they don't play again. They the don't play again each other. Yeah. But I mean, you're talking a one loss. Uh, I mean, come on. We know that the second best team is still going to be whoever loses that game. Right. Um, so it, it it's sticky. That's why we're happy to be going to 12 teams soon. Yeah, I this this might be a year where where we might potentially see 12 team be a preferred scenario with lots of um, just kind of parity in the top 10 so far this season. Um, but let's move on. Another good game that went down on Saturday, one that a lot of SEC fans had their eyes on, was the Alabama Crimson Tide. They were going on the road, going to face off against the Aggies of Texas A&M. 108,000 packed into Kyle Field. Would it be enough, or would Jalen Milrow and company be able to get it done? They do on the road. 26-20 to 20 is the final score. This one was a really good game. Texas A&M was actually leading this one at half, and then down the stretch, Alabama was able to make some big plays against the questionable Texas A&M secondary. Big day for Jermaine Burton. Uh, big day, big game for the Alabama passing attack, which is not something that we've seen so far. Usually when it's Milrow, it's him using his legs, and that was not the case at all. It was him making plays with his arm. Yeah, that's the big one. I mean, it, it, it's something that we haven't seen out of this Alabama team yet, and it was it was refreshing, you know, to be able to see Alabama do what we've been watching them do the last few years under other quarterbacks. Um, obviously, Jermaine Burton goes for almost 200 yards, two touchdowns. He's never done that before in his career. Um, and Jalen Milrow was pretty good. I mean, he's 21 for 33, over 300 yards, three touchdowns, just one pick. It wasn't it wasn't a pretty game by either side, but. At the end of the day, Alabama needed to find a way to will themselves to a win, and that's what they were able to do. Um, it's not something that you know they're going to be bragging about by any means, but you're happy to get out of there with the win and get back to Alabama and look forward to the next game and see how you can get better. Yeah, I was like a couple of things. Uh, I'll I'll save the the biggest one for last, but for me. It, Alabama, obviously, you've got LSU and Tennessee, right? Obviously, you, we know that you play Auburn at the end of every year, but two out of those three games are at home. You get LSU and Tennessee at home, so I think that obviously helps. This could be a, a, a very real possibility here where Alabama is able to run the table for the rest of this, go 11-1 with their only loss being to Texas. I mean, that, that's a dangerous Alabama team in the SEC championship game uh, on the other side, you got to talk about Jimbo Fisher, right? He, I've been, did I not call it like week after week one? I, mean, I I've been calling it, man. He, now he, there weren't a lot of hot seat. There weren't a lot of people that were picking Texas A&M to win this game. It was a, a tighter spread, but there weren't a lot of people that realistically thought they could get this done. But when you're at home and you're keeping it that close, they want to see you pull those wins out. I mean, if it wasn't for beating Alabama two years ago, I think Jimbo might have already been gone. Like, that's kind of his saving grace so far as that he has dethroned Nick Saban once before. He's done it one time so far. But, like, the record so far through the first, what, six six years, it's just it's not there. And you're talking about 
a league in the SEC that is going to gain Oklahoma and Texas. We just saw what those two programs look like. I mean, those are not your typical Big 12 programs. That was a physical-ass game on Saturday between Oklahoma and Texas. They were running the ball. They were making hard tackles. I mean, that didn't look like what we're used to seeing out of the pack or out of the Big 12, excuse me. Those two teams coming into the SEC next year, not to mention they share recruiting soil with A&M. Like, if you're a recruit, you're probably going to Texas or Oklahoma before A&M most of the time, unless they throw that bag at you, which we've seen Texas and m they're able to do that, right? Like, they can recruit. But as far as developing talent and scheming guys up and 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 scoring points, I mean, it's just – it's not been there for the Aggies. And this might be the last year for Jimbo Fisher. It, it could get ugly. I'm thinking that that AD is already starting to look around and get some ideas of possible candidates that will be available next year. If they're not, they're fools not to. I mean, the buyout is huge, but it, it, it's got to be a possibility. It's got to be on the table here. I mean, that's going to go down as one of the worst financial mistakes in college football history. I mean, just throwing – 10 years 100 something million at Jimbo and it turning into absolutely nothing like not even a conference championship appearance he was a promising coach coming in I mean he had just won a national championship at LSU or excuse me Florida State I mean he had promise coming in but he had a generational talent at quarterback in Jameis Winston and he has not had that since and hasn't gotten anywhere close to what they look like Jameis Winston, Jalen Ramsey, he had it all. Yeah, tough. It's tough to tough to be an Aggie right now, and uh, probably in years going forward, unfortunately. So um, we will more than likely not be touching on them anymore. But Alabama, we will definitely be back uh, to talk more Tide football. So another game that we got to talk about because it was a top ten team going on the road against another top twenty five team, and it was an upset. The home team, the Louisville Cardinals, knock off the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, your Notre Dame Fighting Irish that you have backed several times so far on the podcast this year. I mean, what goes wrong here? 33-20 to 20 is the final score. Notre Dame tried to make it close late, but Louisville scores 16 in the fourth quarter. Uh, really a tough game. I'm impressed by Louisville. I mean, this team is sitting at 14 in the country, 14 in the newest AP poll. Are these Cardinals legit? Should Notre Dame have lost this game? What's going on on offense? Where's Sam Hartman? Where's the run game? I mean, it just looked bad. Hartman had three picks. Yeah, I mean, uh, turnovers are going to kill you, man. It's hard to bounce back from three interceptions. I don't care what team you are. I don't care what team you're playing. When you're turning the ball over that much, you know, that's that's three drives that have stalled out, which – We've been seeing, I mean, teams are lucky to get three drives in a quarter. So you're talking about basically an entire quarter of this football game that they didn't have the ball in the offense's hands. Um, So you're you're leaving your defense stranded. um, And then, I mean, there was just absolutely no run game. Your leading rusher had five carries for 37 yards. I mean, you just can't have that. So it was definitely a very down week off day for sam hartman uh and i hate to see that because the the guy is a very talented quarterback um and the thing is is louisville wasn't like throwing up impressive numbers 
Their quarterback throws for 145 yards and one touchdown. Yeah. Well, they're running on back that run game. Their running back goes for 143 yards and two touchdowns. Their top running back. They Say had a couple name. guys filter in there. Jawan Jawan Jordan, dude. Give, I mean, give him some credit. Give him some the, flowers. The 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 guy had a freaking day of it. Yeah. Um, but they weren't throwing up in, like super impressive numbers. This was a team that Notre Dame was supposed to beat, and they got caught sleeping. It was a sleeper game. Louisville came out, shocked them, uh, and. Uh, it, I mean, it is what it is. Uh, Notre Dame had a chance, and you know they lost it there. Yeah, two lost I, team. It, you're not coming back from that. They still have a tough schedule to play. Yeah, this was a team that we talked about in the off season, preseason. This was probably an eight and four team. You know, like we we kind of looked at the schedule and we were like mm, eight and four, maybe seven and five. Like, and through the first couple of weeks, I was like, uh, maybe through the not. first couple of weeks when you go four and oh, and then you're like, oh, you got Ohio State. Maybe you could get some momentum going here. And um, it's just kind of falling off the last three weeks. But as much as Notre Dame lost this game with the throw with the the errant throws by Hartman, I, I did like what I saw out of Louisville, especially that defense. They, they were ball hawking in the secondary. They really shut down the run game. Obviously, Estime had 10 carries for 20 yards. 20 yards on 10 carries. So, I mean, if you're able to do that, if you're you're able to shut down a physical team that likes to run the ball like Notre Dame does, I, I like it. I mean, they've got a tough schedule going forward. Obviously, they still got to play Duke. They still got to play Miami. They're still playing, you know, all the rest of those teams in the ACC Atlantic. So, it's a tough schedule, but it's number 14 team in a country for, for good reason. They're sitting undefeated, sitting pretty so far to start the year, 6-0 and through the first half of the season. So um, we'll probably talk about the Cardinals again here soon. That was uh, the big games, the upsets, the, the crazy action that went down. You want to talk about our dogs real quick? I mean, we got a top 25 showdown at home for the dogs, and then they just put a whooping on them cats, man, 51-13. to yeah, I mean, this is the first week that we see the number one team in the country look and play like the number one team in the country. And it doesn't come from Georgia's traditional uh, powerhouse of running backs, the stable of backs that they normally have. We know that they don't have that this year. Uh, at least they don't have the health in that running back room to be able to do so. Who did it? But, dude, Carson Beck put the team on his back. I mean, he's SEC Ooh. Player of the Week for a reason. I mean, Boy, this bald. Guy, he goes for 389 yards, four touchdowns. He did have an interception. It, it was is a boneheaded throw. He should have never made. Um, and the game was the, wrapped at that point. Yeah, I mean, it it really didn't. the The running backs weren't all that impressive, but I mean, we've got a Heisman candidate in Brock Bowers. Talk about I mean, him. We can say it a million times. What month is it? It is Brocktober, baby. I mean. Obviously, we're not going to see a tight end when the Heisman is a quarterback's award, guys. Um, but this is like his third game in a row going for over 100 yards and a touchdown. He gets 132 and a touchdown on just seven catches. Yeah. Um, and then when they got other tight ends involved, too. Oscar Delp had a touchdown. Um, they had uh, Marcus Rosemey, Jack yeah. Saint. Oh, man. A touchdown. What about that rah-rah catch, that I toe mean, tap? Dude, it was crazy. It was called a no catch or out of bounds, not yeah. a touchdown. Um, but I saw it in real time. I was like, dude, he got that down. Yeah. I was like, he got his toes down. It was, 
it was crazy. It was awesome to see Georgia be able to do that. Um, and then defense shut them down, man. That that run game, we were nervous about Ray Davis coming into it. Right. That, but uh, that's the linebackers, linebackers played well, right? Jamon Dumas Johnson had an up and down year to start. He admittedly himself has said he hasn't had the year that he was expecting to have to this point, but he stepped up big, had a couple sacks, um, was really able to shut down that run game for Kentucky. And then if you're Kentucky, you're down 21 to nothing early. You're, you're kind of out of your rhythm. Like you're not going to be able to do what you want to do. They want to run the ball. But when you're asking Leary to kind of throw on the cape and save the season, it was a uh, recipe for disaster. Devin Leary is a very inaccurate passer. I mean, they rely so heavy on Ray Davis in this run game to get them these wins. Devin Leary is, you know, obviously you lose a fantastic quarterback in Will Levis, you know, despite us going back and forth on Will Levis last year. He's a good quarterback. You lose him to the draft, and Devin Leary comes in, and he's just not the good, accurate pocket passer that you need him to be and yeah. it's a very it's a very one-dimensional team and dude if if any team can make Kentucky one-dimensional and stop that run that's a win man um I am not counting on Kentucky's pass game to win them uh almost any game really there is one more game I want to go over and it's a top 25 matchup it's number 23 LSU going on the road to Columbus, Missouri, to mm. face off against the Missouri Tigers. Yeah. LSU LSU comes out of that game. They win 49 to 39, uh, making Missouri fall to five and one. LSU improves to four and two on the season. It's an ugly um, four and two. But it's an ugly one, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, we've talked about LSU a lot, but I mean, this is this is not like a super great Missouri team. I mean, w- when you talk about who they've played and the wins that they do have. I mean, you're expecting LSU to come in there and, you know, just throttle this Missouri team, but Missouri's got some offense. I mean, they've got some offense. Their quarterback goes over 400 yards and two touchdowns does have two picks. um, But then they got a running back going over a hundred yards and three touchdowns. They got receivers going to a buck fifty on the day. I mean, this is a Missouri offense that could be very sneaky in the SEC East. I think they gave Georgia a scare last year, and I think they're one of those teams that if you sleep on them a little bit too much, man, they got the offense to put up some points. Look, I I've been saying the same thing for a few weeks in a row now. These LSU games are fun to watch now. There are going to be some points scored. Like you get, You're going to tune into these LSU games. But if you're an LSU fan, you are sweating your ass off when you are watching them play defense. These Tigers cannot play a lick of defense, bro. It took Jaden Daniels literally just having what looked like a Heisman performance. I mean, this guy's probably going to be in the Heisman race just because he's going to have to do it every single week. I mean, it's kind of like Caleb Williams out at USC. Like, there is just no defense being played right now for the Tigers. Now, Brady Cook at quarterback, Luther Burden at receiver, sure, that's great, that's dandy, that's fine. But, damn it, LSU, like, I picked you to make the playoff to start the year. And you're sitting at 4-2, and two, almost losing to Missouri? Come on, what are we doing here? I mean, uh, sure, credit to Missouri, you played great. 
you know what? You were sitting at un- you were sitting undefeated. You hadn't played nobody. You were sitting undefeated coming into the game. You thought you had a chance, but LSU, what are we doing here? I mean, this is such a stark contrast to what we saw LSU look like at the end of last season to where they are right now because they at least could play a little bit of defense last year, and right now it is just any team with any team with a pulse on offense is going to put up 40 points against LSU. No doubt. Just to run through uh, a couple more, and and I won't go into these games, but just to run through a couple more notable games. Number 13, Washington State loses to UCLA 25-17, to uh, an unranked UCLA team. Ole Miss ekes one out against Arkansas. Number 16, Ole Miss gets a 27-20 to win against Arkansas. Um, and then another game that I thought was pretty interesting, the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. Oh, my God. Don't get me started, bro. Winning one out by a field goal against 17 Miami. And I was high on this Miami team after week one, man. Don't get me started, bro. If you If you didn't watch this game, you, you do not have to go back and watch the entire game. I just want you to go back and watch the last minute because that's all it takes. That's all it takes to sum up this game. Miami has the ball. Now, why they're in a close game with Georgia Tech at home, I have no freaking idea. <laughs> like, this was supposed to be a good Miami team. They knocked off Texas A&M. They were looking good, sitting in the top 25 to start the year. And, I mean, you got the ball, all right? You're up at this point. I believe the score is 20 to 16 or something like that, 20 to 17. You got the ball. There's less than a minute left. Georgia Tech doesn't have a timeout. So what do you do in that situation, Tyler? Whoa, what are we doing? Take a kneel, right? Say victory, in the ball. Victory, victory formation, formation, right? Just take a kneel. It was ugly, but we'll get out of here with the win. <laughs> Mario Cristobal. <laughs> what the hell are we doing? Decides to run the ball. They get stripped. Georgia Tech recovers the ball and has possession with about 30 seconds left. They hit a big pass down the left sideline, and Hurricane fans are freaking out, right? (laughs) Last play of the game. There's going to be no time left on the clock, do or die. Hayes King rolls out to the right and finds a wide-open receiver in the back of the end zone for Georgia Tech to come out with the 23-20 win. Worst game management I have seen in a while. What are we doing? What are we doing? Mario Cristobal, don't get me wrong, brother. You can recruit, whether it's the whether it's the sunny beaches or the NIL money that you're throwing around or the beautiful women down there in Miami. You can get kids on campus. That ain't a problem. But when it comes to coaching a damn football game, this man is lost. Whew. It's tough. We got time for one more, and I think is this the most notable game of the week for you? I think it is for me. Can we talk about this uh, USC Trojans-Arizona game for a second while we got time? Yeah, I I prefaced it a little bit. Same thing as LSU, man. I mean, this Trojan team just cannot play a lick of defense. I don't, I don't care. Alex Grinch, I mean, the guy's just not got a clue when it comes to operating a defense. Arizona goes up 17 to nothing to start the game because the USC offense kind of gets off to a slow start, looks a little discombobulated Caleb Williams doesn't look like 
his best, you know, at his best, he's still really damn good, but he didn't look great to start the game. And so it's 17 to nothing early for the Wildcats and USC is at home, mind you, like they got the, they got the home field advantage in the Coliseum. This isn't a Thursday night game. This is Saturday night in the Coliseum and a triple overtime is what it takes. Caleb Williams putting on one of his best Heisman worthy games that we've seen him play 43 to 41 in triple overtime. What are we doing? I mean, I USC, I would drop them out of the top 10, bro. Honestly, it's just pitiful what they're doing on the defensive side of the ball. The first time that they play a somewhat competent defense, they're going to lose. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And, you know, the statistics aren't going to reflect what Caleb Williams did. I think he actually only threw for like 200 yards and one touchdown. So it's not going to, the numbers aren't going to, you know, jump off the page at you. But just to like see what he had to do uh, with this scrambling, I mean, throwing off his back foot across his chest to the other side of the field. I mean, he's literally Superman out there. And I mean, the rest of this USC team is just not giving them anything. The defense is atrocious. They got some big pickups. They got Bear Alexander to, you know, get some uh, run defense. And uh, they they just, they got nothing there, man. Teams are going to score on this USC team. And Caleb Williams single-handedly is going to have to outscore them. And that's a recipe for failure. Eventually. Yeah, I, think, I think this is a 10-2 and two team. I think they slip up twice in the regular season. I just it, it's the same damn thing over again every single year. USC, oh, they're gonna put up points. They look pretty. They score fifty points on you know Southwest Coast State, whatever. But I mean, when it comes down to it, they're gonna lose one of these big games because on the defensive side of the ball, there's just nothing there. But um, let's run through the top ten. There's been a little bit of movement after this week. So obviously Georgia stays at one. Michigan will remain at two. But then you, after Texas losing, you see Ohio State and Florida State moving up to three and four. That would be our playoff if it started today. Any gripes with the with the top four? No, I like it. I, I think it's exactly where it should be. Um, obviously, it'll switch up a little bit. We still got plenty of time. But through six weeks, I think we're exactly where we ought to be. Yeah, Oklahoma slides all the way up to five from 12. Love that. State, yeah, I, you, they got an argument for top four, honestly. They've yeah. got a better win than Florida State does, probably a better win than Ohio State does, better win than Michigan does, probably a better win than Georgia does. I mean, Penn State at six, Washington stays at seven, Oregon stays at eight, Texas drops six spots to nine, and then USC drops to 10. Alabama on the outside looking in at 11, North Carolina 12. Um, anything in the back half of that top 10, top 12 that sticks out to you? I'll piggyback off of what you said. I think USC shouldn't be top 10. I, I think an Alabama defense can shut down Caleb Williams enough. And I think if Alabama can continue what we just saw this week, I think that, you know, in a head-to-head matchup, they're a better football team. But other than that, I like it. Um, I think they're – I think this is probably one of the most solid top tens of just like really good football teams that we've had in a while. I'm really impressed with every team that's in there. Um, again, congratulations, man. I'm so happy for you. New baby girl. Can't wait to get over there and, and pick her up and give her a big old squeeze. So um, good to be back. We'll be back in just a couple days to pick six new games against the spread. 
For my brother Tyler, I am AJ, and this was another episode of the Saturday Six Podcast. Deuces. See ya.